Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of Record Talk Listen. My name is Lydia, and thank you so much for joining me. This is our first new episode of June, and thank you for being so patient. We took a slight hiatus, uh, but now we're back. So with our first episode, it's all about communication and dialogue and the importance of that. And we brought in the experts, and that would be Alicia Ruminski from Frostburg State University's Communication and Leadership Lab where they connect students with the community and they talk about important things that affect everybody as a whole um, and also allow the ability for people to learn about dialogue and communication and how to do that effectively. Um, Especially now, I think it's very important to um, make sure that people feel connected rather than separated. So this is, they're doing a wonderful thing. It now does follow their events do follow the school year. So the summer They're taking a break and regenerating and coming up with new ideas. But be sure to check out their website, and you can find direct links to that on our website. And that's recordtalklisten.com. For those of you who have not visited the website, it's pretty nice. Um, You have really simple um, subscription buttons if you would like to subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss a new episode, like the wonderful episode we're going to listen to today. Um, So you know, subscribe. It comes to your phone or listening device. It's great. If you don't feel like subscribing, but you still want to maybe cherry pick and listen to episodes that interest you, then they're all available on our website for free for you to listen to. So make sure you check those out. Also, if you're feeling fancy and you want to support your local podcast, you can click the button that says donate. And uh, thank you in advance for doing that because without support from the community, we would not be able to bring you uh, the content that we do. So thank you very much for listening and we'd love to hear from you. So make sure to contact us. I would be remiss not to mention our sister podcast on this very network and that is called Relish Pod. Now they have migrated um, to their own channel and their own subscription. So if you would like to subscribe to their podcast, all 13 episodes, check out their website and that's relishpod.com. So make sure to cook what you eat, enjoy the recipes on their website, and uh, also ask them your cooking questions. They're pretty good at giving some solid advice. So make sure to check those guys out. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview with uh, Alicia Raminski from the Frostburg State University Communication Leadership Lab. Alicia, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Lydia, for having me. So um, you have started this really great thing called the Communication Leadership Lab at Frostburg State University. Yeah. um, Well, I would have to say that I did it in partnership with some colleagues and students. Okay. And um, it's something that we find is important in our times when we're not seeing necessarily the best models for communication leadership happening out there. Right. So we want to give students an opportunity to be practitioners of communication in ways that are connected to their community. So our students, you know, come from the local area, but they also come from downstate and out of state, um, even from other countries. And what we think we can best do in the context of our program to really have experiential learning mean something is get them out in the local community to engage with local citizens. So this lab concept is about having a like a living laboratory experience like the community around us being the context within which they form relationships they have facilitated conversations and they learn to work with people so we're excited about it and um i could tell you a little bit about some of the projects too 
That would be amazing because it, it, automatically it sounds like a pretty great program and it, it's allowing people to do the old fashioned communication. Yeah. Face to face, you know, looking someone in the eyes yeah. and um, being able to, you know, really understand where people are coming from to check perceptions and to confirm and share values. And um, I think what's neat is that, you know, we keep learning. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what this process is all about. So this started in 2012 when we were given a very generous grant from the Maryland Judiciary's Mediation and Conflict Resolution Office. And um, the reason I was connected with them is because I had done some work with the local community mediation center. It was called Mountainside Community Mediation Center. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the idea behind that um, center was to have people in, you know, interpersonal conflict sit down at the table with two mediators that were trained through Community Mediation Maryland uh, and, you know, hash out whatever that conflict was. Mm -hmm. um, it's not so easy to do that. Uh, you know, people are sometimes not brave enough to sit down and really face those challenges. Sometimes it's through the court system that they're asked to participate in those kinds of activities. And, um, you know, what's been challenging is in our community, um, you know, that center did not, was not sustained. It's um, no longer existent. But the work that we're doing in dialogue deliberation has survived and is an outgrowth of that initial work. Um, so in 2012, after um, some tragic incidents in the Frostburg community, um, some students, you know, that um, took the lives of their students, um, we were reached out to by uh, Mediation and Conflict Resolution Office and at, invited to participate in a project that Chief Judge Bell sanctioned. And uh, basically, it was it's called the Sustaining Campus and Community Dialogue Series. And this was a, an effort to have a series of dialogues or conversations mm -hmm. that were community-based, trying to bring together campus members and community members to understand why this violence had occurred. And the idea was that um, we had seen, um, you know, indications of tensions that were dividing campus and community more and more after these incidents mm -hmm. online, um, you know, communication under the Frostburg State Facebook page saying, what are these people doing to our community? Okay. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we engaged very intentionally uh, with the community, you know, bringing campus and community together. So what we did is um, we invited a couple of practitioners of dialogue to come in and help us. So I kind of served in an apprentice role, and we set up a series of discussions about three each semester for about okay. two-year period. Good. And um, the range of topics um, was vast. It was centered around um, just what people valued about Frostburg, the community, um, what there was to do, what there wasn't to do, <laughs> um, you know, what... Um, the housing situation for students was like, okay. um, how race relations were, mm -hmm. um, and you know, what we could do to try to improve on all of those things. So, um, there were some tangible outcomes like the Frostburg state banners on main street, the yeah. paw prints that went on the, you know, road into campus as uh, a street, you know, into campus. Um, there were relationships started, right. And strengthened, and, um, you know, what really it's about, I think, is trying to bring people together that wouldn't normally see each other. Because if, if we keep missing each other, you know, there are lost opportunities for good community mm -hmm. building happening. 
And so, um, you know, that lasted about two, two and a half years. And then that timing wise kind of synced up with when some of the tensions around police violence started to escalate nationally. Yeah. And so we had, um, a couple of different dialogues around police community relations. We started to partner with the local branch of the NAACP and the Maryland Commission on Civil Rights. And, you know, what I really experienced then was, you know, finding additional partnerships that were outside the area, but really strengthening the relationships I had as a relatively new person to this community myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what's neat is, you know, the process of being engaged in dialogue is transformative. Each individual has an opportunity to grow and learn and it's not just about them either. They recognize, you know, it's really about that connection and um, the larger community, you know, so no matter what topic it was, they enter in, but they recognize that the issue is about something bigger than them. Right. Well, and then they're making the the um, conscious decision to show up. So they're wanting to get informa- good information, what they consider to be factual and an interesting dialogue that then they can go tell everybody else about or start conversations um, with people in their other communities that could not go maybe. Right, um, right. I, that's the important thing is to yeah. keep the conversation going outside those events because they're not a traditional forum or panel discussion, right? Where it's a very passive audience participation where they kind of show up, take the information and leave, Right, which you could go spread that information too. Yeah. This is more about engaging individuals um, and groups so that, you know, you really are learning who people are and what the community is about, you know, and that is what's shared then. Yeah. Right? Not just the information, but the relationship building. Right. It makes you think. I think it also forces you to maybe you come in with a preconceived notion, you think about it a little bit, and then that makes it much more relatable when you go out into the community because you can say, listen, I understand how you feel. However, have you ever thought about it like this? Mm -hmm. And it can really expand somebody else's mind. So I think it's extremely important, Mm -hmm. especially now. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that is why we framed the, the lab as the communication leadership lab is because, you know, we see that everyone feels like they're equipped and, you know, technologically they are equipped often with capacity for communication, but the ethics that ground good human communication, you know, are not a given. And so we have to work at those and that practice that we can do through the dialogues or deliberations, um, you know, or whatever kind of facilitated format that we can do creatively. We were just talking about, is there a way to do podcast oriented (laughs) kinds of dialogue work or deliberation work? Um, You know, that, is different. It's, it's, you know, the, the way that we do this is it's either convening, moderating, or facilitating, which means it's not just bringing people together, um, informally, it really is structured. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that is an important component in a sense, because that framework helps people have a safe space, you know, in a sense that we set out ground rules or conversation guidelines and that we kind of frame, um, conversations with questions um, kind of gives the parameters for people to have discussions in ways that they feel comfortable with, I think. Mm -hmm. And then it just opens that too, you know, opens them creatively to be able to feel comfortable to expand beyond those initial starting points of conversation. Right. I mean, that's confidence is a huge thing. If you're um, in a new place, like if you're coming to Frostburg as a student and you're thinking like these issues are important to me and I really would like to be able to communicate intelligently or 
be able to feel confident in hearing somebody else's perspective so that you can expand your own experience. That's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, um, very important, I think. Well, it's been neat to have students find value in being able to talk across the table to the mayor of that community or, you know, to have, um, council members or business owners understand better the student perspective because, Mm -hmm they're not looking at, you know, analytics or market research, but they're really talking to people, you know, and, um, you know, what I think is even more vital is that, you know, it's bridged, um, campus and community. I mean, there've been so many great efforts, you know, it's not like this is the first thing that's helping to build those relationships, but it's a fostering of, you know, through human communication, um, more emphasis on listening and on sharing feelings or thoughts or values um, and really getting people to look at common ground, yeah. you know, so that they leave with a positive experience, um, not always agreeing on everything right? no. and working through some tensions sometimes, you know, an example I, um, have often shared, um, in a, you know, in, in a, um, anonymous sense, I guess, is that a community leader, um, kind of made a faux pas and said that he was concerned about an incident, um, where there had been a, a tragic fatality, um, after a fire and, and he said, well, you can't fix stupid. Um, and now we have two dead people. And, um, you know, when you think about that, if someone typed that online, that's one thing, you know, that might not, that certainly hurts someone's feelings if they knew that person or yeah. knew those people. Um, but the face to face is when that person gets the opportunity to really see how that made someone feel. And then, you know, the outcome of that was a repaired relationship. Yeah. You know, someone recognizing their communication could be better, you know, when they talked about an incident they were concerned about, mm-hmm. um, and the outcome of that. Um, and you can't, you know, make an environment otherwise, other than if it's just by chance on the street. Right. right. Um, you know, and so it, it gives an opportunity for a bridging of campus and community and, you know, an aspiring to communication leadership, because we certainly don't come in, you know, with perfect communication skills and, no. and we don't ever really achieve that. Right? I don't think so. I mean, it's a constant work in progress. I mean, cause society changes. So you have to change with that as far as how you communicate with certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, social norms change. So you have to kind of, it's always evolving. So you have to you keep up as best as you can. So right. these lecture labs are probably really fantastic because People who feel like they don't have quite their a good footing on what's going on can can get some balance there. Yeah. I mean, it's really just centered around small group discussion usually, yeah. you know, because that's the size of um, interaction that makes sense to, you know, talk through something in about a two-hour period. And, um, you know, the um, the other kind of work that we're doing beyond dialogue, which is about perception checking and building relationships, is deliberation work, which you know, expands out to really look at issues that are impacting a community and um, look at solutions or um, at least, you know, ways to start addressing problems in a more tangible way. So we just did um, a session about the food system recently that was about, um, you know, how our community can figure out how people get the food that they need, whether that's, you know, the healthy food, whether that's, um, economically, you know, reasonable Mm -hmm. food, affordable food, um, or whether that's just how the system that's here local can really make a living off of providing food, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, you know, lots of issues and questions around that topic. 
So, you know, that was focused on a national issues forum guide about the food system that um, a colleague and I from the university helped to create through the Kettering Foundation. And so um, where we started with the dialogues in 2012, we're now at the point of learning more about deliberation and we keep, you know, just looking for more resources. So where it was, you know, in the past, um, uh, mediation and conflict resolution office. Now it was the Kettering foundation. And, um, what they provided was just a different framework, you know, a different way of thinking about the practice of communication in a group setting. Mm -hmm. And so these guides, um, framed the discussion of the food system with three options of how to deal with it. You know, um, often it's about thinking about what can the individual do? What can the government do? What can the community do? Right. Um, you know, really parsing through those different kinds of, uh, ways of, of dealing with an issue. And, um, you know, what we found is that, um, there's so much work going on that's so good in this area around the food system that with those partners invited to participate, they just, you know, kind of spun off even further the work that they want to do that's positive. Yeah. So, you know, they're looking at the idea of the community gardening a little bit more as an yeah. outcome of that. Um, you know, looking at and understanding better the challenges um, economically to individuals who might be in poverty because of how our legislation has changed to permit people to have access to farmers markets. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just understanding both tangible, practical things we can try to work on in a project based way, but also understanding, again, still those perspectives that you don't always know. You know, we think we kind of assume we understand what's going on legally or what people's um, motivations or right. you know, reasons for behaving are, but that big pictures of the uh, systems and institutions sometimes gets filled in when you have right. a deliberation because you have the different partners there to kind of say, wait, this is happening or this is what's new or this is what's been removed or, you know, taken right. away budget wise. And, and I think sometimes people forget they we can talk about it, but the person that's that would benefit from these programs are never asked really why they don't use them, which is, I find that to be like, everybody wants to help and fix the problem, but they're never really sourcing the information from the people that are having the problem. Right. So, um, that, that's something to think about too. Sort of, you can have great ideas, but if the person doesn't know about them or want to participate, then it's not going to be successful. Well, and that brings up an important point about this work is that, you know, it's, always about trying to keep bridging campus and community in ways that does get more people that aren't in that leadership pool, active leadership pool of people in our region, you know, that really are community members that are, um, you know, sometimes entrenched in really difficult issues that don't have a voice, you know, to channel those concerns through. And so, you know, an example of another effort we're doing through the lab is the Community Strengthening Coalition. And this effort is um, in partnership with the um, NAACP branch 7007, the local branch of um, that uh, uh, NAACP here, and um, working with the interfaith community, um, education associations, um, the medical associations, social services, law enforcement, um, all kinds of entities um, in the area have come together through some of the events of the Community Strengthening Coalition. And what we're trying to do is really, you know, as a mission with that organization, 
um, or that effort is pull community members in from neighborhoods that wouldn't normally participate. Okay. So through these social groups or through the interfaith community or faith-based communities, if we can, you know, bring more people into those conversations to share their concerns or to listen and gain information, you know, the hope is that that really does, you know, what the Kettering Foundation is inspiring us to do is create, help create democracy in communities. And also diversity as well. Right, right. Yeah. I think that's a really important because, I mean, you can't, that's it. You have a night, it's, you have to get all the pieces of the puzzle in order to kind of put it all together. Right. So, I mean, it's very important that you, you don't get two of the same people or two of the same pieces because, or missing a piece is not good either. Right, so, right. I mean, it's, you know, that's funny. The um, symbol that we had for sustaining campus and community dialogue series was, um, two pieces uh, or two people putting puzzle pieces together oh awesome so you're on to something with cool. that but yeah it's it's you know it's just really important work it's you know to me it comes from the roots of my father being a union steward yeah. for the international brotherhood of teamsters he was a truck driver for ups and mm-hmm. i'm for pittsburgh okay. right so um that's you know i come from a union family and so you know, we are not in a paradigm where union organizing is as, you know, prominent. Yeah. And so now it's really more about how does the collective organize around common values in different ways or around common issues and concerns. Right. You know, and it doesn't have to just be within one organization. It's really about the community. Right. You know, trying. Because you think about it, there's a tension here that we see with national politics around, you know, um, federal or authoritarian perspectives and you know, ways of leading and local or, you know, more collaborative ways of leading. And so there's got to be a middle way in a sense, right? Absolutely. So hopefully these kind of efforts help people learn how to be practitioners of communication in ways that helps them to lead change in their communities. Right. And essentially help themselves. Because, I mean, if you can't communicate why you feel a certain way, then you can't possibly help change that the way you feel about things and move forward. So, I mean, if you can gain knowledge to then say, yeah, this is as a community and this is where I live and this this is how I can impact my own life on a basic level. You can figure out what you're missing or what you need from that community then and and be able to communicate that you're not going to get anywhere. Right. And that's the thing is, you know, it does move people away from um, a complaint orientation. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't have conflict. Conflict is healthy. It's good. Like I said, that example, you know, the tension we had actually led to that community leader inviting students to come to his office anytime to talk with him and to open a dialogue. Yeah. 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 I mean, so it was really a good thing um, to have that conflict arise. the, you know, that does make sense with the um, community strengthening coalition effort, too, because the emphasis right now is on trying to bring partners together around the opioid addiction issue, yeah. which a lot of, you know, um, community efforts are focused on. The effort here is to just facilitate the communication against not to figure it out, but to bring together people to collaborate. To yeah bring partners together that might help address some of the issues of what's ne- needed next. You know, so the DART program, for example, you know, the drug abatement response team yeah. that law enforcement is um, spearheading uh, in a very unique way in our state with social services. And, um, you know, we're looking at, well, how does the community fit into that to help support it and make it work better? Right. And so the, you know, 
last event that we had featured them as one of the speakers um, so that they could hear what the community thinks or what they, you know, how they think there could be better approaches that would help that, you know, just do better, yeah. take off. And so that's the model, you know, so what's neat is our students are there as lab assistants of the communication leadership lab, helping facilitate yeah. those conversations and witnessing our creative communication leadership. I think it's, I think it's great, especially if you're on the ground level of this, because I think this should be done pretty much in every university. If it isn't, it's a really good model because it, every community has issues. Every, every person has a way of dealing with things and there's better ways to deal with things as far as communicating and, and being able to get on the baseline of that is like pretty awesome as a student to be able to see how this is going to develop and, and there really isn't, um, a set ending to it. It's totally transformative and it can, it can move and, and I think, and keep up with the community and events and things like that, which is, which is fantastic. Right. Right. It can't, you can't, um, solve a uh, communication challenge with one training session or workshop. <laughs> right. You know, and so just in the same sense, you can't solve one community issue with one, you know, dialogue session, right, right. deliberation session. So it does have to be, you know, process over time and have to be sustained. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we talk about sustainability, so much emphasis is on environment, which is important, but you know, the social sustainability really is key here too. And yeah. so that's what we're trying to support. That's awesome. So, um, you need sponsorship, right? Cause that helps with keeping the lab going and getting people aware of what's happening and getting people to come and talk. So, how can people get in contact with the lab if they have, <laughs> if they want to uh, sponsor this great thing? Well, I can tell you, um, you know, one example of something we're doing that's a neat kind of a creative way to think about sponsorship, um, the Eat, Learn, Shift series that we've done with Shift Farm to Table Eatery okay. is in its second year. And um, we hope to continue that each spring. Um, Jess Clay has been a wonderful partner. She's an alum of Frostburg State. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what we do is we work together to pull in other partners. You know, we worked with Frostburg Grows, okay. um, with Wholesome Harvest, um, you know, with um, the Western Maryland Food Council, in this case, for this last session that I mentioned that was on the food system. Right. And, um, you know, what that was funded by a um, President's Experiential Lun Learning uh, Fund grant. Um, so a lot of what I'm doing is often supported through the university, you know, through some small one-time grants. Okay. Um, and so to have partners that can contribute in ways, and it's not even that it takes a lot of funding. It's it's more of the time and energy involved for yeah. someone that's in a full-time job like me teaching, you know, uh, for four load you know, yeah. each academic year doing these things. And so it's very embedded in the classroom experiences as projects, which helps. But often it's it's the food, you know, we yeah. want to break bread together. So we need to have support for, you know, a good meal together. And so, you know, doing these events um, centered around food, yeah. you know, and, you know, the first year was around um, for Eat, Learn, Shift was around the Saudi culture and food. Um, students from the Saudi Student Association worked with Jess to using some of their family's recipes, create some fine Saudi cuisine. And we ate and learned about each other's food um, you know, in cultures yeah. in the, that conversation. Uh, so some of it's very educational, but some of it's more, you know, problem solving oriented. Mm -hmm. 
it's you know in in that series case centered around food though right? yeah so i mean i think food is a great yeah i think food it. is a great neutralizer you know uh, it just sort of like everybody, like everybody loves to eat. And so everybody's curious about food. So, I mean, I feel like if you can sit down and eat with somebody and eat their food and you can ask questions about food, which seems sort of like a pretty innate subject, mm-hmm. like nobody's going to get offended and you're like, what is this flavor? And with that, fl-? you know, it's a, an easy way to connect with somebody that's not political or religious or, you know, any of the hot button issues. Yeah. And it, it well, just, and it could be, and could I mean, be, that's yeah. what's neat is that, you know, you, you learn a lot just in the simple act like that or interaction, but that's where the questions and the framing yeah. of the conversation helps sometimes is as you ask people who are sitting and together, eating together, specific questions about food and culture and experiences, you know, what things mean, what traditions are around food. Yeah. It sometimes does lead to those things, but it's now, you know, you can enter into that conversation a little better because you've made human contact with someone yeah. who shared food with them, you know, so it's, it's, a, you're a little more receptive. I think so. And I think so. also if you have somebody that's in front of you that is different than you and you're eating their food and you're realizing it's delicious and, mm-hmm. um, you're more apt and you feel just for, feel more comfortable asking questions because they're asking you questions and you're, everybody's just way more comfortable when there's a little bit of food involved, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many different projects, um, out there that is sent around food in this way, you know, that we're aware of, um, our project in that case, you know, that first eat, learn, shift uh, session was in partnership with conflict kitchen out of Pittsburgh, okay. which serves the food of countries that the U S is in conflict with. And so their whole basis, which is really arts focused is about, you know, educating and engaging people in conversations across difference. So we borrowed that model. You know, we did that yeah. for the first year. Um, you know, second year was about the food system and was a deliberation. So, you know, that's just one example of partnership. So in terms of partnership or sponsorship, yeah, I'm open to any creative possibility, you know, that people are interested in. Yeah. If there's something that they feel is an important thing that the community should be discussing and should be giving input into for community decision-making, you know, decision-making from the top down is not going to work for us, even though we're in this time when we really are witnessing a lot of authoritarianism, you know, people are too committed to the idea of democracy, but not always equipped well to deal with it, you know? So at the local level, this is a mechanism, you know, through which they can get that kind of competency developed and supported. That's great. I I'm, I'm loving this and I can't wait to figure out, um, some things that we as the podcast can get involved in. I think it'd be really fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many people usually come to one of these events on average? Typically it's about 40 to 80 people. And okay. it depends on the way that we frame it. Some okay. of the dialogues have been very open and we don't ask for registration. Okay. The um, last eat, learn, shift we did by registration and it's food, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was a different kind of a, you know, dinner um, yeah. in this sense then often we just have refreshments. Um, but, you know, it's it's just depends on the needs. And that's like you mentioned before, really about adapting to the circumstances of the topic, of the community involved, you know, the segment of the community sure. that needs to be part of a conversation. And so, um, you know, that's all about what we are teaching students and learning ourselves about how to do better. Yeah. How do we really convene sessions that make sense? 
when my uh, colleague, Chris Willingham, and I went through the cohort with the Kettering Foundation, which was an outcome of my sabbatical work, I applied and we got into this learning exchange um, a couple of years ago. Um, when we went through that experience, we were fortunate to learn from um, the West um, Virginia Civic Life Institute. And so we went down there for a couple of days to their two-day institute to learn about how they facilitate communication events like this mm-hmm. in West Virginia. And they're very active. Yeah. So it's not that it's something new. It really is happening and is well-supported around the nation. It's just, you know, getting it off the ground here in our region sure. is where we're at. Yeah. And our region is very, is varied, very varied, mm-hmm. you know, so <laughs> and it's, it's difficult for people to realize this is happening and it's, it takes a while for things to catch on. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's a free and open to the public thing. So minus the registration for food. I mean, think about it. If you were cooking for a bunch of people, you would want to know about how many are showing up. So, um, other than that, and are these all on campus or are they out in the community? We try to have them out in the community as much as possible. Um, some of them are on campus still mm-hmm. for the students and, you know, some of the work that needs to be done to work on, you know, coalition building or on, um, you know, kind of just getting different student populations to interact more. Okay. But often it is about campus community relationships. So we try to bring it off campus. We've um, worked with the senior center in Frostburg. Okay. And, um, they've been very supportive of our efforts and, um, you know, for the community strengthening coalition, that's more based out of Cumberland. We've been you know, partnering with the first Presbyterian church okay. and others, you know, that sure. provide their space. So that's, what's great about it is, you know, I, like I said, it's a transformative experience. So, you know, for me being here about a decade in this region, I feel more at home because I've built better, relationships with people in the community through doing these events. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not, you know, backroom channel kinds of relationships are not old boy, old girl network kinds of relationships. They are really about equal partner relationships. Yeah. I think that's the important model we need to hold up, which is why we call it communication leadership. Nice. So if people are interested in coming to one of these, where can they find uh, the schedule for next year and all that other kind of stuff? Well, we have a uh, website, www.frostbergdialogue.org where we have some of the information about past events. We don't have any new events yet set. Okay. Um, we kind of work in the academic year cycle, right? Yeah, so absolutely. we're just coming out of that academic year. And Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. It's <laughs> nice to come down from that. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, you know, just kind of rejuvenate through the summer and look for creative, you know, project ideas. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm available online at, um, uh, my web or my email address, elrominski at frostberg.edu or a um, little easier to maybe take in is 301-687-4480, my office line. Um, so what we'll do is we'll put direct links on our website and then people can um, get in touch with you via email or the website just to kind of look and see what was what in the past and then hopefully look forward to the future some great things yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you more in the future as we have ideas coming up yeah. you know that are formulated and ready to go to advertise to the community absolutely to participate in yeah. you know in the um September this past year we did something associated with Allegheny College of Maryland around International Peace Day so okay. we're going to be doing something again so that'll probably be one of the first events awesome. so we'll let you know. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming and come back anytime you want. I'm excited to talk with you again, Lydia. Thanks. 
For more information on what you've heard on today's show, be sure to head over to our website, and that is recordtalklisten.com. We'll have direct links there for you to click on. While you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and listen to all the previous episodes that you might have missed. There have been some really fantastic guests, and we're very grateful that they took the time out to, uh, to come on the show. So make sure to check them out and show them some support if you can. So um, speaking of showing support, we love to have sponsors. So if you have a business and you want to get the word out about something, um, sponsor the show. It couldn't be any easier. Your ad never expires. So it's the best bang for your buck, really. So keep that in mind for your marketing and advertising budgets for um, the upcoming year. We love to hear from you, the listener. That would be you right now listening to this very podcast. Um, you, we're very active on Twitter and Facebook and an old fashioned email always gets through. So we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash record talk, listen, Twitter at RTL pod. And our email is record talk, listen at gmail.com. So if you or your, your, you, someone, you know, like to come on the show, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. This has been another episode of record talk, listen, where I hit record people talk and hopefully you listen. Until next time, thank you so much.